are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information. Separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. That's right. You are here for a reason, and it's because you want the truth. Can you handle the truth? Of course you can. You came here for the truth, and we are going to separate the truth from fiction today. And we are your news source, but today it's all good news because we are reading from the Word of God, and I have a very special guest I'm going to be bringing on in just a couple of moments, but first we are going to play the show far, and recently I've had a couple comments, and I think it's more from the audio point of view, uh, people listening on Podbean, uh, that the show far part is way too long. Well, there is that skip 30 second button, hit it five times and you get past the show far, but... I would encourage you to instead just take the time in stillness to pray as the air is cleared by the shofar. The shofar is one of the purest instruments, the shofar and the harp. And uh, it's just a good time to sit in the quietness of it and, you know, pray to God, open up your mind that his word may be implanted in you today. So without further ado, let me play the show far and then I will bring on my very special guest who is making her Sunday morning debut this morning.
Hey, did you get a chance to see new goggles last night? I really felt that the Holy Spirit had talked to me through it. And when I'm studying this particular chapter, uh, <laughs> Jeff can't make this up, folks. Jeff isn't that smart. But when we see the parallels between uh, what that message was that uh, aired last night, new goggles seven, and we see what's happening here, uh, I th really think that God is going to speak to your heart. So, Heavenly Father, I just give you praise. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you left us, that your Holy Spirit, that we will not be here alone on this earth to face, you know, the kingdom of the enemy, but, Father, for the transference of us into your kingdom. And, Father, we thank you in particular for the author of this book, Luke, and we thank you for the Apostle Paul, as well, Father God, and your instruction to your church. And Lord, I it's my belief that this instruction is timely because this is what you're doing in your church. So I pray that everyone will see, hear, and have this word ingrained on the inside, Father God, that uh, you imprint it just as you did the, the commandments in the stone, Father God, that you put these instructions firmly engraved on the heart of each one that's listening. Amen. And without further ado, you're probably wondering who is my special guest. And yes, indeed, she is very special. She has been on the show once before, and it is my extreme pleasure to welcome back Rebecca B to Write on Radio. <laughs> See, I got to use like the radio voice when I say that. Yeah, yeah. Right on radio, Rebecca. Thanks, Jeff, for having me here. We got the new tunes, <laughs> the old tunes, the sad tunes, the blue tunes. Hey. <laughs> I got to work on my radio voice. <laughs> it, it doesn't bring any more money. <laughs> <laughs> Brings more fun. <laughs> it does. It does. I, I want to do a skit on that one day. Maybe do a parody of WKRP or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Johnny Fever. <laughs> You're too young to remember that. Oh, thanks. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? I'm only 12, so we're good. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, that's when Jesus started his ministry. So exactly. you're, an, you're an adult then, me. right? So <laughs> <laughs> age is a state of mind, that's for sure. All right. So we've got a good one here, ladies and gentlemen. We're reading from Acts 20. I will be reading from the New American Standard Bible. And what are you reading from, Rebecca? Uh, I'm going to read from New Century Version. New Century Version. Hmm. Well, let's start with the reading of the word. Go ahead, Rebecca. Right. When the trouble stopped, Paul sent for the followers to come to him. After he encouraged them and then told them goodbye, he left and went to the country of Macedonia. He said many things to strengthen the followers in the different places on his way through Macedonia. Then he went to Greece, where he stayed for three months. He was ready to set sail for Syria, but some evil people were planning something against him. So Paul decided to go back through Macedonia to Syria. The men who went with him were so Sopitar of Pyrrhus from the city of Berea, Aristarchus and 
Secundus from the city of Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy, Tychus, Trophimus, two men from Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. We sailed from Philippi, and after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, five days later, we met them in Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, we all met together to break bread, and Paul spoke to the group. Because he was planning to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. We were all together in a room upstairs, and there were many lamps in the room. A young man named Eutychus was sitting in the window. As Paul continued talking, Eutychus was falling into a deep sleep. Finally, he went sound asleep and fell to the ground from the third floor. When they picked him up, he was dead. Paul went down to Eutychus, knelt down, and put his arms around him. He said, don't worry, he is alive now. Then Paul went upstairs again, broke bread, and ate. He spoke to them a long time until it was early morning, and then he left. They took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. We went on ahead of Paul and sailed for the city of Assos, where he wait waited to join us, where he wanted to join us on the ship. Paul planned it this way because he wanted to go to Assos by land. When he met us there, we took him aboard and went to Militine. No, that's not right. Mytilene. Mytilene. We sailed from Mytilene the next day and came to a place near Chios. <clears throat> the following day, we set sail to Samos, and the next day, we preached at Miletus. Paul had already decided not to stop at Ephesus because he did not want to stay too long in the city, in, too long in Asia. He was hurrying to be in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, if that were possible. And from Miletus, he sent word to Ephesus and called himself the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was beneficial and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that chains and afflictions await me. But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of God's grace. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all people, for I did not shrink from declaring the whole process of God 
Be on guard yourselves for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And now I entrust you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands served my own needs and the men who were with me. In everything I showed you, that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than receive. And when he'd said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And they began to weep aloud, embraced Paul, and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, for they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. Amen. Yes, God, bless the reading of your word. Mm. This is such an interesting chapter, and I know I say that every <laughs> every week, <laughs> but there's just so much richness in God's word, and God didn't leave anything out that we needed to hear. He talks about the imperfections of men. He talks about how when Paul leaves, you know, wolves are going to come in, and, and he knows it, but he trusts God, and Wow. Can't wait to hang with Paul. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Seriously, probably a lineup to get to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. Well, if we all know everything when we get to heaven, then we'll we'll know everything at the same time. That would be pretty cool. Well, in a twinkling of an eye, things will be revealed. But Except I, for the things I want to say to certain people, then I don't want them to know it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? I, I, don't think, I don't think we will ever experience, we'll, we'll never get to know all the mysteries of God. Yeah. I think, you know, so much stuff will be revealed and we'll have answers to all the things that happen in this life and what we need going forward. But I just think there's just so much discovery and it will be an awe. And that's why we're going to be singing holy, holy, holy and hallelujah yeah. all yeah. the time because it's we're just going to be in awe of, yeah. of yeah. who he is. Yeah, yeah. I imagine it is speechless moments of just incredible humility and reverence for him. Like I can't even imagine picking my face up off the off the floor, whatever the floor looks like. Yeah. Well, just think about, you know, Moses when he got a glimpse of, of the father. You know, going by and, you know, we couldn't even see his face because he would die. You know, yeah, yeah. that's how glorified he is. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's quite incredible. So 
So this is a you know after there was an uproar you know in the uh, in the last place and uh, Paul had said to the disciples when he had encouraged them to take his leave of them to let go to uh, Macedonia. So what's interesting here is he decided to go a different way than the disciples. Right. First of all. Yeah. And. I wonder about this. I don't. The scripture doesn't really tell us exactly why, mm -hmm. but it does hint that you know he wanted to talk to people on the way. <laughs> you know, yeah. If you're on a boat, you're kind of stuck on a boat. But yeah. if you're uh, if you're walking, you get to run into random people. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting too the number of of, of men that went with him and accompanied him on the trip to be his support and to be his, uh, to help be representatives and to provide for him what he needed. Yeah. Paul always had a team with him except for a couple occasions. And mm -hmm. when he didn't have people around him, he was actually really longing to have people around him, mm -hmm. but he always had a team. And, you know, I think it just kind of shows this is a team sport, right? Yeah. 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 And it strikes me too, that, you know, that like for me, I even see that. And I think of the challenge of how often do I go with the flow of what other people are doing instead of stepping back and saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? All these people are going off to do this thing and it's not a bad thing. It's not that you're not in it, but what would you have me to do? Should I be in that thing? Even though the masses are there, even though everyone is coming with, you know, clean hands and a pure heart, but is that what you would have me to do? And sometimes I think we get pulled aside because we want to be sheep as we are, right? We want to kind of go with everybody and we don't always stop to say, what would you have me to do? Is it different? You are my Lord and God. So if you want me to go somewhere different, you want me to do something different, I need to bow my knee to you first and foremost. Oh, wow. You bring up a point here and uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you did actually. Because, you know, as good disciples of Christ, we like to say that, you know, we pray, no, not my will, Lord, but what would you have me do this day? Mm -hmm. And how many of us really do that? Uh, sometimes we do. But, you know, I think each one of us will have a moment where we do that. But in reality, oh, I'm going to get under someone's nerves here. <laughs> In reality, and I listen, I, I'm talking, I, how do I know this? It takes one to know one, folks. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> what, where would you have me go? Yeah. And then you want to find out what the destination is, and then you decide <laughs> if, yeah. if what you're going to follow. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. We want yeah. something comfortable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and sometimes our only words are, you know what? The Lord's not leading me here. He's not leading me in that path. And I, I remember years ago, for me, it was around the um, the Lord of the Rings movie. And there were so many, um, you know, it was just more and more episodes were out. So many people loved it. So many Christians said it spoke to them. And I wasn't denying any of that. But when I saw the Lord on it, he said, don't go watch that. I, I don't I don't give you the permission to go and do that. You can, of course, you can choose but I'm asking you to not watch any of them, not come under any of that. And I didn't know why. And Christians would ask me, they'd be like, well, why haven't you watched it? Like, it's not bad. It's this and this and this. And I had to just keep saying, that's not what the Lord has given me the okay for. 
I don't know why, but I have to follow what he's telling me because he sees the bigger picture beyond what I do. Do you know why now? Oh, now I know. <laughs> yes, I do know now. I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion you knew the answer to that question yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. Now I know that it was around programming. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know at the time I was uh, an SRA survivor. I didn't realize all the programming that, um, and there's so much in movies and televisions and songs and all kinds of things. Um, and there was programming that would have been set off within me. And the Lord was leading me on a path to take steps to come out of the bondage I was in. And, uh, and so I needed to be obedient to what he was saying and doing. I'm glad you listened because that, yeah, could, have, <laughs> that could have set you back years if you think yeah. about it. Yeah, you know, and it, uh, it just would have been a miserable experience. I would have been set off and I wouldn't have known, right? I wouldn't have made that connection to go, oh, okay, I watched the movie, then this happened, then this. I would have had to go before the Lord again to say, what's happening? I didn't listen. So what's happening now? And I would have had to seek him for that. And of course, in his mercy and love and graciousness, he would have never left my side. He would have seen me all the way through it and spoke to me on it. But so much, so many times I think of that song that says, oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You know, and that's what we need to be doing is living in that place and respecting his guidance for us, even if every single Christian says, but there's nothing wrong with it. The thing that's wrong is if my God says no. When Paul talks about prayer without ceasing, mm. you know, part of uh, part of what the new goggles thing is is about that. It's getting the world out of you and really knowing your thoughts are every thought is a prayer because God's listening to every thought that you have. Yeah. So we may as well be honest with God. And, uh, you know, in my thought life and things like that. But I do recognize that God is listening to my thoughts. And so I take captive of some thoughts. But other ones, I'm like, okay, God, uh, this is what I'm thinking. You know, but I talk to him like a friend. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, maybe maybe I should be, you know, but you can't always be in that reverence mode. There's a time and a place for that. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's a time for just fellowship. And, you know, Jesus says, take my yoke. And so that means he's walking beside you and we need to just take his yoke. And, you know, as we navigate through life, okay, Lord, well, you know, here comes that person. What would you have me do? Or yeah. someone says something to you, well, father, how, how should I respond? And we want to communicate through God mm -hmm. rather than just direct. Yeah. It yeah. Takes yeah some and, and I see that I see so much of that in Paul's, journey. He didn't worry about all the typical things. I mean, even when I think of how long he preached for, right? Like in our, in our typical um, churches, you know, it's, it's structured in such a way because we say, oh, after 20 minutes, nobody's going to listen. So, you know, talk for this long, have this much, make sure you have like, you know, media stuff going on. It's like, it's like a Sesame street kind of idea and that, that keep everybody pulled in so they can listen to you the whole time. But Paul didn't worry about that. His heart and his passion for Jesus was that if you want to be here and you have that passion, you're going to stay and listen. I have that passion. I'm going to give you what he has given me for you. And he didn't worry about, you know, the three-point sermon or any of those great things. He first and foremost knew he was leaving and wanted the people to have the hope, the guidance, the teaching, 
the fellowship. He wanted all those things to come together and he didn't worry about time or anything as a hindrance for what other for in our flesh, right? Like I would have been like, oh Lord, like I should let people go home. They're probably really tired. Oh, for me, I would have been like, the guy fell out of the window. That's me. That's my fault. I should shut up. Like that would have been my flesh all the way through. He died because of me, right? Like I would have been like rehearsing that in my head, but he didn't worry about it. He just, he went and he moved and worked as the spirit said. And then he carried on from there. And I just, I'm like, that's what I need to do. I need to stop getting hung up on me. <laughs> and I need to be way more hung up on you, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're all works in progress, but you know, yeah. um, we're the clay. He is the potter. Yeah. And we just trust every day he works with us. Uh, so what's interesting is, you know, uh, Paul is obviously very effective in his ministry uh, because after he came to Greece, he spent three months there. There was a plot formed against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag here for a second. Um, so next week, I will be uh, away. I'm going camping again. But I'm pre-recording some shows. And there's a couple shows that I'm going to do that are going to possibly shock you with information about the Jews and what the Bible actually says about them and what they've been telling us about themselves. They're completely different. And uh, I'm just telling you, stay stay tuned, but take note of this uh, because of obviously the Jews were the ones who crucified Jesus, you know, with the Romans there and everything else, but it was the Jews really. Um, so there's this plot against him by the Jews. So, you know, he's listening to the Holy Spirit. And, you know, obviously Paul doesn't care for himself, but he, so he decides to set sail for Syria, right? Let's avoid that drama. And he was accompanied by Sepater of Beria, son of Ferris. I'm glad you read the first section. <laughs> I was wondering if that was like a strategic thing. Oh, I'll give her the the complicated names. It, it wasn't. I really just wanted to read Paul's Paul's uh, sermon part. But yep. it, as you were reading it, I did think, God, you're good to me. <laughs> it just worked out. <laughs> so now they had gone ahead and they were waiting for him at Troas. We sailed to Philippi and after... The days of unleavened bread had reached the Troas, the five days we stayed there for seven days. And on the first day of the week, when we gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. So what's the first day of the week? It's Sunday. Sunday. And they're breaking bread. But yet the Sabbath is always on the Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I looked into this, and why, if Sabbath is the Saturday, why do we as Christians predominantly have Sunday service? Yeah, it's a great question. Would you find out? Because the resurrection happened on Sunday, so it's actually on the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a celebration of completion. Mm. So there is biblical uh, 
reasoning for church on Sunday. I just thought that was an interesting little point yeah. that I picked up. Whether it's 100% true or not, I don't know, uh, but it satisfied my answer. And of course, mm -hmm. I, I usually keep Saturday as my Sabbath, but um, that's just me. It's just like my one day of rest. Yeah. I like that idea of of it being uh, a day of completion. I like, like my head jumps to, you know, all the different things that happened in the week before, things I wished I had done, things I shouldn't have done, you know, the things I did get accomplished, things I can check off my list, you know, and now I'm heading into another week. So good, bad, or ugly, that week is done. I now have another opportunity to say, am I going to come before you? Am I going to follow you? Am I going to lay my life on the altar every day and choose you regardless of what I did last week? Because the enemy loves to come and say, well, you did do that last week. Look what you did here. Look what you did there. And okay, you did this one good thing, but that was only because of this, right? He loves to come and accuse and fill our minds with doubt. So we head into a new week questioning instead of heading into a new week saying, I have been bought with a price. So I'm going to honor God with my life. However, last week went, however, five minutes ago went, I'm choosing minute by minute, moment by moment to keep in step with him. And when I'm out of step, I'll come back in again and I'm going to keep doing that. And every week I'm going to get stronger and I'm going to get better and I'm going to keep growing and I'm going to be transformed by who he is. But, you know, and, and I love that idea of the completion. It's done. I'm moving into something more. God, use me, transform me, change me, fill me up. You know, as you were saying that, I remember there's a, I don't have the exact verse, uh, but it's in Lamentations. And a friend of mine wrote a song based on this one verse. So it's always stuck with me. And yeah, it is, okay. your love is new every morning, new every morning. He really came up with a great melody for it. But uh, yeah. so, you know, it doesn't matter what you did last week or whatever. His love is new every morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, for know, those of us that are in Christ, was there's no no condemnation. That's no right. Condemnation. That's right. We put you it away, and when the later today you're already paid for. <laughs> we say, no, I'm not. You know, actually, I'm I'm not going to carry. I'm not going to carry those faults. I'm not going to carry that sin. I'm laying it down. And when I look at it, I have the choice to either see the sin, see the failings see the stuff that I wish would go better in the future, or I have an option to say, I'm going to take all of that and remember the cross. I'm going to remember what has happened for me. And I'm going to let that transforming power make the decisions for what I'm going to do going forward. Wow. Well said. Well said. So in a, uh... Verse 7, so they uh, they decided to break bread, and Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day. So because he's intending to leave the next day, he prolonged his message until midnight. And that goes back to your point about, okay, no, we can have, the sermon has to be 30 minutes. You know, we have to dismiss. So we have 20 minutes of worship. Then we have 15 minutes of, uh, of getting people riled up to, to tithe the most. And mm -hmm. then we're going to have a message and then there's just going to be a, a good uppity up song. So everyone leaves dancing uh, the church and they've made as much money as possible. And, you know, it, it's funny. I just uh, I did a did a show on Friday that there's possibly a new series. Uh, Kiwa puts some pretty 
great posts. Some of them are very controversial, and I like that because it gets us thinking. But uh, the one on Friday was Paul could never be the pastor of a megachurch. <laughs> and he would not have gone through the pastoral, you know, they're looking for that charismatic person who's going to carry that message. Mm -hmm. You know, it wouldn't have been him. He, yeah. Paul's not going to stick to 20 minutes. Yeah. You know? well, I think they would have just looked for him Sunday morning and been like, where is he? And he would have been like, I'm out on, I'm out on the streets. Yeah. I'm out on the streets. And if you guys want to want to meet me there, that's where we should all be. So let's take this two, three thousand church and let's get out on the streets and let's not sit here together. Let's grow and learn and develop together while we're doing exactly what God's called us to do. I think that's where he would have been. They would have been so upset. They would have been like, he should be here. He should be preaching. Why is he here? It actually, it actually speaks to that point uh, a little bit later on when he gets into some of his uh, message to the, the elders of the Ephesians. But so let, let's just look in this room. So he's going till midnight. And, uh, and you got to remember, so this, this is the Middle East after all. So it's probably hot, yeah. right? And uh, they're on the third floor. Heat rises. They've got these lamps, which are like smoky. And it's also fire, obviously. So it's probably very hot in here. And Paul's preaching. And the young man named Eutychus is sitting in the window still. And he's sinking into a deep sleep. Mm -hmm. and, you know, Paul just keeps talking and, you know, listen, I, uh, if you've ever been in a, in church, there's always one or two people nodding, right? <laughs> you know, and yeah. could be for a variety of reasons, but there's always someone nodding with this young man and it's probably getting late. Uh, you know, this young man is falling asleep and then he fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. And mm -hmm. now it doesn't say who picked him up, Rebecca. But the author of this book is Luke. Mm -hmm. And what was Luke's profession? He was a doctor, yeah. He's a doctor. So most likely, when the author of this book says he's dead, yeah. he was dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but Paul went down, fell upon him. Mm -hmm. And oh, where else did that happen? Was it Moses? Oh, I should have pulled up that scripture. So this this happened before, even in the Old Testament. But Paul fell upon him mm -hmm. and uh, embraced him and said, Do not be troubled, for he's still alive. Mm -hmm. So he had a resurrection. He was peaceful again. And uh, it's, so... Now, he was preaching till midnight, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. He does this resurrection. He goes up, he gets a snack, and starts preaching again. Yeah. yeah. It's all good. Until He's back to life. <laughs> like he just, like, hey, there's a, you know, it, it, like nothing happened, right? You yeah, know? that's he what I thought, too. <laughs> yeah. Until midnight. Goes down, does a resurrection. Hey, you know what? I can use a snack. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it reaches yeah. again until daybreak so that's got to be another six seven hours yeah yeah it made me wonder what he was preaching on when it happened like that's what i thought i thought wow talk about disruption of your message <laughs> what it, right? were you saying right then <laughs> you know yeah. you don't know the hour and the day when the lord may take your life and then everybody's like, yeah. oh, my word. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I, I know exactly what he was preaching. 
he was preaching the death and resurrection of Jesus. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because Paul always talked about repentance, the death and resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. So that totally supported that message. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So they went ahead and set sail for Assos intending uh, from there to take Paul on board, for that was what he arranged, intending to himself to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and he came to Mytilene. Uh, sailing from there, we arrived the following day opposite Echeos. For the next day, we crossed over to Samos and on the following day came to Melitus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to lose time in Asia. Mm-hmm. For he's hurrying, for it might be possible to, for him to be in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. So remember, he's taking this big offering for the church in Jerusalem. And that's what, that's why he's on this journey going there. He's got all these elders and that they've, and some of the elders from the churches that donated to him are, they're, they're the ones that are traveling with him. Right. So mm-hmm. he wants to get there if possible for the day of Pentecost, mm-hmm. even though he knows what's ahead of him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he alludes to it here. So, mm-hmm. Now, uh, from there, he sent word to the Ephesians and called himself the elders of the church. So all of the elders came to him, right? They, they kind of met him en route. And he wants to talk to the elders. And one thing that, uh, that the Lord showed me when I was studying for this is, you know, so far in the book of Acts, Rebecca, he's preached in the synagogues. And then he's gone and preached to the Gentiles and the Greeks. Mm-hmm. This is the first time recorded in the book of Acts that he's speaking to a Christian audience. It's hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. It, it is. And, and I want, when as we go through this part, I want people to realize who he is talking to. He's talking to the elders of a church. It's the first time we've heard him preaching to the Jews, we've heard him teaching to the Greek, but now he's preaching to his flock. Yeah. Essentially. Mm -hmm. So he says to them, and we're going to, I want to go basically verse by verse here, uh, Rebecca, you yourselves know from the first day I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. So he's basically saying, you know how I was. You observed me the entire time. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no different Paul for a different crowd. Yeah. You know, although he says to be all things to all people, you know, he'll fit in. He could fit in with the Romans. He could fit in with the Pharisees. He could fit in anywhere he wanted to. But he's the same guy. And they saw how he was. The whole time. Yeah. yeah. And, and that is uh, a word of conviction for many of us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because yeah. when you want to, to you know what, there's, a, there's an old saying, a prophet is never recognized in his own home. Mm-hmm. You know why? 
because they know you. Yeah, everybody thinks they know you. Yeah. And that's what they said of Jesus. Isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this like, who does he think he is coming here and saying all this to us? Yeah. They, and well, Jesus wasn't accepted, but they saw him as a carpenter. They saw him <laughs> living a normal life, yeah. uh, probably exceptional at everything he did, I would suggest. But uh, in our own walk, like if, if I was to, uh, you know, here I am preaching the word and hopefully someone's going to get saved, you know, by, by hearing these words. Mm -hmm. But then if, uh, if pictures came out of me at a strip bar, would it defeat the ministry? Yeah. Or, or call the wrong people in, right? It would make people think, oh, well, I can, I can accept Jesus and then I just live whatever way I want. There's no difference, right? It's just a stamp that gets me into heaven. And then I'm good to go. And then I can just live whatever way I want from there. So it might, might attract the quite a different audience. <laughs> well, it, it could entrap people because we, mm -hmm. we are called, look, so salvation's a free gift, but we have to work out our salvation. Yeah. Yeah. As, as we say, you know, we're transferred from one kingdom into the next. Mm -hmm. So anyone who wants to witness just, be aware people are watching you and and if they're unsaved they're most likely watching you diligently hoping to find fault in you because mm -hmm. they want to prove you wrong no one wants to admit that they're flawed and that they're sinners people want to believe that they are gods mm -hmm. the word is conviction mm -hmm. Yeah, so, people, find, people find power in when they're wavering within themselves, but want to come across as, you know, very solid, you know, this is, I, I am this, this significant or this solid person. They often tend to, at least I have found, they often tend to look for the smallest thing to be able to bring you down, right, as they're watching. And I think that's where we need to, again, keep coming back. That that idea of watching, first time I ever heard that, it freaked me out. I was like, oh, my word, people are watching me to see if I'm, I'm good enough. Like, wow, like, what's going to happen? I'm, I'm not good enough. And, and that's where over time, as I grew in my walk with God, I realized that people are watching things all the time. I need to be, I need to come back to who Jesus is, who he says I am. And be honest and straightforward and say, I'm not going to get it all right. I'm going to do it wrong, but I'm going to keep coming back to what's true. And I'm going to keep humbling myself and I'm going to keep bringing myself before the Lord and choosing every day to live for him. And I think that's the difference that people see in us compared to we, we can preach up a storm. We can say all kinds of things that bring conviction or we can say things that bring lots of comfort. But at the end of the day, like you said, that's what they're watching for. They want to see like, oh, like we've seen all kinds of people that talk about this religious thing, but yet their life is completely different. And you nailed it because in, uh, in verse 19, it gives it gives the answer and you, you said it. Uh, so they're watching him and what he says, he was serving the Lord with all humility and with tears mm -hmm. and trials which came upon me mm -hmm. through plots of the Jews. 
use. <laughs> so, okay. So let's. I, so he's serving with humility. Mm-hmm. He's not building himself up. And there's with tears. Now, what does that tell you when he says he's serving with humility and with tears? Oh, I think I, I see that as um, his heart is broken by the things that break the heart of God, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's, so he's, he's, he's in depth with the spirit and he can see the people that are spending their time in anger and hostility trying to do one thing. And then he can also see the people that are the, you know, that are lost and need to hear truth, need to need to know that there's life. Yeah, and he his heart really did break for those, and he was very sympathetic to the Pharisees because he was one. Mm-hmm. He knows how blinded they were, yeah. but also when when I look at the humility, and with tears, I see a vulnerability, and especially for a man, mm-hmm. for a man to cry publicly, mm-hmm. is making yourself very vulnerable. Because believe me, there's a lot of men who are going to criticize you. You know, the ladies probably not so much, although some would. Uh, but particularly men, you're going to have a split 50-50. Eh, look at this guy. He's weak, you know, or whatever. But actually, is it weakness or is it a sign of strength that you're okay to do that? Yeah, I think exactly. it's strength. Yeah, absolutely. I rem- it reminds me of um, a few years ago, I was in Uganda and I was... Um, doing some missions work in there with with a group. And one of the places that we went to, uh, the Ugandans took us into a schoolhouse and it had been schoolhouse of some of the, um, I don't know if people know how much of that's gone on over the years with the war, but um, it was a schoolhouse that the children had been there and there was all kinds of pictures posted and it had been the ground where, you know, some of those horrible atrocities had happened. And the Ugandan men, are very much the same way. They're they're strong. They're um, they come across as being solid. They come across as you know they don't show that. And as this man was sharing with us, just a very small group of us, but as this man was sharing with us what they have seen and some of the horrors that happened on that ground, in that place, he just broke down and he wept and wept and wept. And I didn't think anything of it as far as it being significant for the culture. But it wasn't until after that the people I was with, um, the native Ugandans that were there, they said that it, that was a huge thing. They don't do that. They don't show that emotion. They don't break down. They don't weep. And if they do, you know, maybe they'll stop and pause. But he was like weeping as he told us the story of what had happened and what went on. And it was the same kind of idea, right? Like we want to keep that that strong front. And yet, Paul was solid in who he was. This is what's going on. I am who I am. Yeah. And even through the trials which came upon him through the plots of the Jews. And, you know, listen, I I just want to preempt this because I'm going to do those shows uh, next week. And, you know, I'll wait for you to say your opinion. Uh, However, I want to say that... uh, you can't paint an entire group of people with one brush. Mm-hmm. I have, I have many Jewish friends and colleagues, and uh, you know most of them aren't 
real practicing Jews. They'll they'll put on the hat when it when it suits them, especially for business, you know. Uh, but otherwise, they're just normal guys and uh, you know just agnostic, if anything. But uh, it's a uh, well. There's going to be some revelation. Let me just say that. Yeah. Cool. So. So even though he's been going through those trials, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was beneficial and teaching you publicly and from house to house. So in the schoolrooms, in the synagogues, but also in the houses. And I think that's important because, you know, if you're on a big platform in a in a synagogue or something like that there's a certain authority with being given the speaking and you know people of the community look up to you but then you get that same person in an intimate setting and they're not as tall they're not standing on a platform they're you know um and you really get to see who they are in an intimate setting so i think it's really important that paul always had that balance Yeah. And he met people where they were at. Right. So like he said, you know, to the Jews, I become a Jew to this, I become this. He met each person where they were at without, without judgment or condemnation. He just met them there. And I see that in the tears, right? Like I I see you and I'm meeting you and my heart is stirred. Look, look at the schedule he keeps and how much preaching he does. And and Mm -hmm. by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I'll just, Spoiler alert, this is like 2,000 years before five-hour energy drinks, right? <laughs> like this guy just had energy abounding. Mm-hmm. So uh, solemnly testifying both Jews and Greeks the repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, I am on my way to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. not knowing what will happen to me there except the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city that change and afflictions await me and when we we're talking earlier Rebecca about really asking God what would you have me do today Mm-hmm. Paul demonstrates that because there's a couple places remember that he wanted to go and God said no you're not going yeah. there yeah right but now here and God gives him a choice but God says yeah you, you're going to Jerusalem but it's not all going to be great <laughs> you know mm-hmm. yeah I, lo- I love that statement um in the passage that you read there bound by the spirit because to me it takes it takes the whole idea of the fact that we actually think we have the choice to say today I'm going to follow God or with this, I'm going to follow God or spirits telling me this, when I'm actually going to do this. I love that idea of being bound. It's like, I am bound to you. And again, I'm not my own. So where you tell me to go, I will go. Even if everything in my flesh goes, no, I don't want to do that. Or I don't like that. Or that's not what felt right to me. We're bound. And so you lead, I will follow. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is, God is so incredible because Paul wanted to go to Jerusalem and that's where he's, you know, heading now. But his mm-hmm. next place that, that he intended to go to is he wants to go to Rome, which is yeah. kind of the center of the universe here. And what he doesn't know is not only does he make it to Rome, 
but he has the government pay to take him to Rome. And you got to stay tuned for the next chapters to <laughs> find out how that happens. But it's, it's amazing what God does and how he orchestrates this all. He actually has the government pay to take Paul to Rome. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And in the version that I have, um, I really like verse 24. It says, I don't care about my own life. The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. All right. So in the comments, can you actually make that statement? I don't care for my own life and just want to testify the solemn gospel of God's grace. Um, I would love to be able to say those words with sincerity and possibly at some points in my life, some days and some hours, I could say that, but I don't live that way. I want to, but mm -hmm. I'm not there. Rebecca, you? Uh, well, I come from a bit of a different place because I've been faced with death so much um, that for me, um, as much as I'm able to right now know within myself that, yeah, I can make that statement. I mean, the Lord knows. He knows if I, he might be sitting there going, girl, no. <laughs> but within myself, yeah, I feel like I can make that statement. But I, I, I can make it because I come from a very unique place. Yeah, and listen, I think I can make it sometimes. And depending on the situation, would I trade my life for the gospel? I really believe that I would. But in mm -hmm. my everyday walk, no, I want to see my grandkid grow up. I want, you yeah. know, what? like I, yeah. I, I cherish this life that God has given me, and mm -hmm. uh, so it's a balance. But you know, if uh, if it came, listen, put it this way, folks: when it comes down to uh, taking the mark and bowing before the beast, or possibly going to the guillotine, yeah, well, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because uh, yeah. I will not, so I will, you know, be able to say that with sincerity. And I, and I know that for sure, because I've already made the decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amen. But Paul walked this way every single day, every single hour. Mm -hmm. It seems mm -hmm. to us. Or he tries to, right? Yeah. Like there are times where you can see that his own flesh and things get pulled other ways for what he wants to do or doesn't want to do. But in the end, he keeps coming back obedient. And I think, you know, that's 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 the biggest encouragement for all of us is that we're going to slip and fall throughout the day or the week or the whatever, but keep coming back in obedience, remembering who Jesus is. That's right. And now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. So he's telling them, and he, so he knows, remember, he's bound by the spirit. Mm -hmm. He knows that he's never going to make it back yeah. to these elders from Ephesus. Mm -hmm. Wild. Yeah. So therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all people. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. 
so what's he doing here? Is he saying that they will accuse me and they're false? Yeah, I I think too. Like when I when I when I when I read it, it feels like he's declaring to them the the truth and the freedom that was theirs and can still be theirs, and that he was faithful to follow exactly what um, God had called him to do. And that just blows me away because I can't imagine me standing on any soapbox, no matter how tiny it is, ever saying, "Well, can't find anything wrong with me." I'd be like, "Okay, here's my scroll." <laughs> <laughs> here's my whole list of things I screwed up with with you guys I'm really really sorry just forgive me and just follow Jesus not me but it just is amazing that he actually puts himself out as the as an example and says well, I have not done these I, things well, I have a word of encouragement for you you know how the government whenever they release documents there's all these redacted stuff yeah well, your scroll is redacted with the blood of Jesus. You can't read those words anymore. Yeah. Amen. So I roll it out and it's blank. <laughs> I roll it out and it's blank. And I'm like, wait now, Lord. I'm sure I had like a long list. And, and the Lord said, yeah. I washed that clean for you. <laughs> yeah. It's washed in the blood. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And in my humanness, I go back and go, no, no, no. I'm sure there was stuff on this scroll. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Love is new every morning. Man, I got to listen to that Amen. song now again. I got to. Yeah. So he's saying he's not going to be back, uh, that he's innocent, and he did not shrink from declaring the whole purpose of God. But then he says to them, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which is the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to the shepherds of God. So He's talking to the elders, and he's saying, look, you have to look over your sheep, at which he purchased with his own blood. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to say, and, th and this is an interesting point coming up here. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So Paul knows as soon as he leaves that the enemy is going to come in here and start to sow division. Mm -hmm. And from your own selves, men will rise speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after them. And when he says perverse things, I don't think he means like perverted. It's just, it's, it goes back to that original lie that the devil made in the garden. It's all they have to do is get you, you could believe the entire Bible, just uh, you don't need Jesus, you just need Christ consciousness. Everything else in the Bible is right, you just need Christ consciousness. That's what they're tell, telling you, folks. Yeah. And that's all the devil needs to do. Mm -hmm. You understand the power of that? They just need to take away the power of Jesus' blood and his redemption and salvation. Mm -hmm. If you believe you can have salvation without that, you're serving the wrong God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The enemy loves to twist it. Like it's his warning is so timely for any generation that they're that we need to be so careful. We need to be on guard. We need, and in our humanness, we're we're gonna miss that stuff unless we stick close. 
we've got to cling. I know even for me, if I'm not clinging really close and I just take a tiny step out, I start to hear the combination of the lies and truth mixed together. And because it's there together, it sounds pretty straight up. Like, you know, because I can peg the truth in it, but Mm -hmm. then it wants to lead me those further steps away and those further steps away. And so I need to cling close. I need to be focusing on that truth because, yeah, they're, they're going to come in and they're going to say, you can get to God all different ways. You can find your way. You can be good. You can do this. You can just head to church a couple times a year. You can do all these things. But that's not what Paul says. That's not what Jesus says. That's right. And so Paul reminds them that he was there with them for three years And this has got to be very tough because he's invested in in the Ephesians so much. But then in verse 32, and now I entrust you to God, Mm -hmm. to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and able to give you the inheritance among all those are sanctified. So at some point, because he knows he's not coming back, right? He has to trust God. Yeah, it reminds me of Moses when he was, uh, before God um, took him up the mountain, and he gave that long speech to them. And he said, you know, I'm going, and here's how you have to live, and here's what you've been through, and here's all the stuff, but I know your hearts. Yeah. And I know. Right. And just I don't know, like I, it's so hard to know what I would have been like in that circumstance and situation. But, um, you know, the, the tenacity that I have now, if someone said to me, oh, I know you're not going to really, you know, I know you're not going to really head to the gym and keep that commitment. I'd be like, oh, did you just challenge me? <laughs> <laughs> did you just tell me that I'm not capable of keeping my commitments? Oh, OK, watch me keep it right like that. That's that's kind of my stubborn headed side. But I don't know what they would have done. And I don't know what I would have done in that time. But after all of that, it was the same thing. Don't don't fall into it like this stuff's going to come. And I, but I know you will. <laughs> right. You know, speaking of that, just when we uh, when we finish the chapter, if you're comfortable with it, uh, would you talk about your commitment? You know, that we talked about yesterday. I think it's just a great encouragement for the audience. Just what you did. You don't have to tell what it is. I'm I'm not even not remembering what I said. What did I say? <laughs> you can remind me at the time. <laughs> and I'll yeah, explain. okay. 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 <laughs> so let, let's just continue. Verse 33. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands served my own needs and the men who were with me. Mm-hmm. In everything I showed you that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of Lord Jesus, that he said to himself, it is more blessed to give than receive. So Paul's really making a point that, hey, you know, the big preacher's coming to town, you know, I should be set up in the best apartment, uh, you know, just, you know, be given fancy clothes for when he goes to preach at the synagogue. No. He never did any of that. And he made sure his witness was, you see me working and you see me giving, you see me helping, you see me living out the gospel. 
Yeah. That only comes with like really believing it. You can't, you can't fudge that stuff for long. You can't fake nope. it for long. You can say it and you can try and, you know, walk that path that you're saying that you believe, but something's going to come and test it. And either you really believe it and you're going to come out the other side stronger for it, or you're going to fall away. Cause it's, that's a hard walk. You have to actually have that full conviction, that love for Christ, that dedication, all the things that it takes that we, you know, like even just talking about the gym, we see people doing that with, with health, right? We see them doing that with getting in shape and all the different things. And not that those things are bad, but it just, those are things that are so temporary, right? And yet Paul's talking about a commitment that starts now and goes all the way through to eternity. That's right. And uh, work is a holy and everlasting calling. I keep saying it. Uh, you know, read read Proverbs, folks. If you're lazy, uh, get off your ass. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you, and God and, and Paul says, and I showed you that by working hard in this way. You know, you must help the weak. You know, he, he worked hard so he could help the weak because there are people who cannot. For they have limitations. You know, they're sick. There's you know people who do need to be taken care of. And he says, just like Lord Jesus said himself, it is more blessed to give than receive. And is that such a true statement? Don't you feel good when you bless someone, when you're able to bless someone? Yeah. Yeah. You know, when it comes from that place of true, true surrender and obedience, it feels good. When it doesn't, it can be a squirmy, wormy time. Yeah, I bought a gift because I want favor from this person. You know that. Yeah. Or I want to not feel guilty. Oh, my church says to tithe, so I guess I'll tithe, and then that way, you know, I cannot feel I don't have to feel bad about it because I did what I was supposed to do, right? Like more of a legalistic rule following than an actual attitude of heart. And it has to come from the heart. Yeah, it has to come from the heart. And and you know, it's the other thing. You know, if you if you are able to give and, you know, you see like the Pharisees, they would give to the poor, but they would do it in the corner where everyone would see them. How yeah. great of a person. And, and what did Jesus say? You already yeah. received your reward. Yeah. You know, OK, you got you want the recognition of men. There you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's better to have a, a heart thing and that conviction in the heart and, you know. And by the way, uh, if you do get that conviction of the heart, I highly suggest that you follow through on it. Because if the Lord is telling you to do it, um, here's something. That I want you to remember this. God pays for what he orders. He will always make a way. And as we go through the book of Acts... Uh, I already let the cat out of the bag that uh, Paul gets his way to Rome paid for. God makes sure he, God wanted Paul to go to Rome. God made arrangements for it to be paid. Mm-hmm. And it's the most unique way. You're going to love it when we get there. Cool. Uh, so when he had said these things, he knelt down, prayed with them all and began to weep aloud and embraced Paul and repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they were accompanying him to the ship. Mm-hmm. So there's two things I want to do before we go, and I know we're a little bit over an hour. 
But uh, hey, Paul, we're, we're, <laughs> Paul went till the yeah. morning. Yeah, that's nothing. <laughs> uh, that's great. Um, two things when it uh, talks about the plot against the Jews and stuff like that. Uh, I'm reading something into this that, uh, well, maybe you'll agree or you disagree, but if you caught the new goggles yesterday, I made the case that we are actually called to be judges. And what's he doing there? He's judging, mm -hmm. isn't he? And it's time for us to start judging the things that are not right in this world. We're not the we're not people's judge, but we can judge sin according to the Bible. We can judge action. We can judge blasphemy. We can judge confusion. We can judge those who come into our camp and you know have ill intent. Mm -hmm. And we don't we're not their judge. We don't decide their salvation. We'll pray for them. But we need to start taking people's actions and stuff into account and calling it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I That's think cool. I think for us, we have to make sure that doesn't come from a place of personal disdain. It has to be rooted in scripture. That's what we're judging from. Because if mm -hmm. I judge from my own personal viewpoint, that's going to fluctuate day to day. Today, that didn't bug me so much. But yesterday, wow. Like So, I mean, th that's where we're highly unstable as humans when we're not rooted in the truth of the gospel. Yeah. We really do have to go through Jesus to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. he is, he is our mediator. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if he, if he mediates for us to the father, why wouldn't he mediate from me to you? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So that is one thing. Uh, the other thing is, and I, I'm just going to tie it in with this, when he warns them that the wolves are going to come in because he knows they're going to, because he's not there. To and listen, he would protect us. Paul was bold. He'll call it out. He could call it out from a righteous place. We know that Paul lived as an example mm -hmm. of Christ. But he said, you have to look after your flock. And... You know, I received much criticism about a, a video I did calling out someone, but I had sent this audience over there, and I had to do it. I hope you understand. This is scriptural, folks. Had to do it. Mm -hmm. Not making excuses, not saying sorry. I'm saying it was the right thing to do. So, and by the way, I'm not getting you to chime in on that. That's, you know, I don't want to get you in an uncomfortable uh, position. I'm okay with being uncomfortable. No, I think at the end of the day, like, we, we can't live in a place to please people. At the end of the day, we have to speak truth from a place of our own conviction. And even if, and that conviction obviously has to be aligned with scripture. But even if we're wrong in it, I believe God sees our heart. I believe yeah. he sees our heart and our intention to say, I didn't do this, Lord, because I was just trying to, I don't know, gain friends or whatever it might be about. But I did this because my spirit was unsettled and I couldn't I couldn't land in a place of saying this was OK or not OK privately. That's not that's not the responsibility I hold as a leader of a group. I needed to speak out. And that's what the bottom line is. It's not about 
picking apart and criticizing. It's not about any of that. It's respecting the role that someone holds and the attitude of their heart that they bring in that role. Amen. Amen. So what a, what a great chapter, Reb. And uh, so the thing I want to remind you of, and, and I just think it would be a really great encouragement uh, and a great way to end the show, but you had shared something with me yesterday uh, that you had written a covenant. Oh, yes, yes. And, and, how, and how that has come back and helped you in your walk. I thought it was such a beautiful thing and uh and i was really encouraged by it and i think you will be too if you don't mind sharing that rebecca yeah yeah absolutely um so several years ago um i was at a place where i was actually just starting into um like a really committed spot with god and um as he and i were talking and communing together um i had um verbally declared that i'm not going to leave your side no matter what comes no matter how hard it gets no matter how miserable, I'm not going to leave your side. And the Lord actually brought to me, if that is the case, let us covenant together. And so I said, okay, let's covenant together. So I actually wrote out my commitment that I was covenanting with the Lord. I asked the spirit to come to give me the words to direct me in that. And then I signed it and I dated it. And I said, Lord, this is my covenant between you and me. I will not leave your side. I will not go to another, no matter how difficult, no matter what comes up. I know that I don't really know what I'm saying because I don't know what the future holds. But that is my heart standard for what I want. And the Lord since then has brought it back to me at different times. And when I have struggled and when different, you know, I've gone through some really, really dark places on my healing walk. And he has brought that back and said, remember. Remember the covenant that you made between you and me. And so many times it's brought me back to a place of life and truth. And it's like, yeah, that's right. Thank you. I did. Because that is my heart. That is what I want. That is my desire is to be in that place continually with you and not let anything big or small take me away from your side. So, yeah. So it's just an encouragement for um, each of us that if there's something that that we're we're seeing or facing or we really want to get into a place where we're committed to it. Yeah look into covenanting with God in that kind of way and uh, yeah, bring it before him and see what he says. And there's a power in the written word that mm -hmm. I think cannot go unmissed. And, and the best part of this story is, well, first of all, there's a couple great things to your, your heart to actually write down what your covenant is mm -hmm. to God. And, and as I said, there's power on the word paper, but God has honored it because he has reminded you just as you would ask. So you had prayed, yep. Lord, when I need it, remind me of this covenant. Mm -hmm. And at the right times, mm -hmm. the Lord Jesus has said, Rebecca. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Where did he say? <laughs> no, it's usually a quiet whisper. It's usually everything else is really loud in my head and I have to listen for the quiet voice. <laughs> <laughs> The still quiet voice. Yes, Amen. exactly. <laughs> Amen. Well, this was fantastic having you on the show, Rebecca. Yeah, Thank and, you. Uh, and we are going to do a show with your uh, your therapist, yeah. Tressa, was it? Yeah, Tressa. Yep, yep, yeah. We got to work that out. She's actually over um, in Ontario right now visiting family. So she's she's busy with all the different things going on. So we'll need to figure out a time that uh, yeah allows for her schedule. Yeah. yeah, so we want to do it, Nate. We think it's going to be a really great, encouraging show. And just it's really talking about living out the walk, 
you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and with your unique story in the background, it's mm-hmm. uh, it just as I say, it's just so encouraging. Uh, you've been a great encouragement to me, Rebecca. I want you to know personally, you have been a great encouragement to me. Oh, and, thank you. That's that's isn't that isn't that just how Jesus works, right? What the enemy intended for evil and to tear me apart and to set me in this horrible cycle of all kinds of things. God said, it's not actually what I have planned for her. <laughs> and he turned it around for good. So, Amen. Hey, would you uh, be bold enough to close us out in prayer? Yeah, absolutely. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that your word is filled with truths and reflections of your character and your hope. We thank you for the encouragement that we find in your word for others who have remained steadfast and for those who have fallen short. And that in the end, Lord, we can choose to keep coming back to you. This isn't about a walk of perfection. And this isn't that we are so bad we can't come. That you are a God that meets us in every place, every avenue, no matter what it is we face. So we thank you for the words that have been spoken and read today. And I pray, God, that anything that uh, Jeff and I have said that has just come from our own humanness, would you just snatch that away from people's minds? Because it doesn't matter. Even if it's recorded, Lord, it doesn't matter. What oh, The only thing that matters is the truth that is brought forth that will stand the time because it is an eternal truth of Jesus Christ, his hope, his resurrection, his redemption, his transformation. And God, that is what we want to walk in. And Lord, I think of those that um, will hear this today or another time that don't know you, that have only heard you and seen you as a curse word, as someone not to be trusted, as someone who is unfair. And Lord, I just want to squelch those lies. And I want to ask that you would allow whoever hears this for the scales on their eyes and the veil on their heart to be lifted off, that they will see the truth of who you are, that you are a holy omnipotent, omnipresent God, but you are also the lion and the lamb together, that you meet us in our brokenness and you meet us in our strength, that you are never changing, the same yesterday, today, and forever, that you are solid, loving, accepting, and you offer us the choice of being in relationship with you, with picking up that truth of who you are, the sacrifice of Jesus, the amazing truth of who he is, and to say, I'm going to start on that walk and I'm not going to look back no matter what comes. So God, would you help all of us to do that? And would this go forth and bear much fruit, the fruit that you would have it to bear? Lord, we boldly come before your throne as you tell us to, and I ask for this to bear fruit a hundred, a thousand, a million times more for your glory, for your kingdom, for your honor. And Lord, anything good that Jeff and I receive, we take it and we lift it up to the throne for every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. And we know all good things are for you. So seal this work, protect us, encourage us. And Lord, may we continue to humble ourselves and come before you moment by moment. All praise and glory and honor to your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself. And Rebecca? Make a difference in your community. (laughs) (laughs) 
I tried my radio voice. <laughs> See you on Tuesday, everyone. <laughs>